Oh, come on, y'all awake? Good morning. There we go. All right, so uh, my name is Steve Korn. I get to have the privilege of serving as one of the elders here at Grace Bible Church. And every once in a while, uh, I have the, the honor and uh, duty, responsibility, it's a big responsibility, to, uh, to bring the message. Um, to open up the Word of God, I don't take this lightly. I have spent hours and hours uh, praying and thinking and studying through all of this. And I have to just be honest and say, I'm not real sure what's going to happen today and how this is going to go. But you know what? That's okay. Um, we're just going to let the Word speak for itself. So today, uh, we're going to continue in this series, the I Am Statements of Jesus. And my, uh, my part in all of this is the Good Shepherd. I am the Good Shepherd is what Jesus says. So when I first heard that, I thought, well, this is great. Uh, there's all kinds of you know, great little stories about uh, the shepherd and his sheep and all of that. And so this should, should come together pretty well for me. But what I discovered as I did more and more studying is that, yes, there are plenty of those kinds of stories, but there are tons of things, tons of scriptural things, uh, over, 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 over and over and over. I think 400 and something times the word shepherd is mentioned in the Bible. And um, there, so we've got, you know, way back in the beginning, Abraham was a shepherd, and we've got Moses who was a shepherd, and David who was a shepherd, and then there's plenty of other, other instances, but just we see it over and over again. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, um, there's a history there, right? There's um, the people that he was speaking to were in this agrarian society. They all knew what shepherds were. They all knew how it worked. Unfortunately, we don't. And so at least I don't. I mean, any of you guys have sheep? Maybe, maybe you guys have sheep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe this won't be new to you, but it'll be new. it was new to me. Um, so, but I wanted to start out. So I, I did some studying, and um, I, I guess first I want to start out and just have you guys imagine with me for a moment. Imagine a painting on a wall of the Good Shepherd. It's got the, the title Good Shepherd right below it. You probably are seeing some, you know, Beautiful sheep, they're all white as snow, and they're on this lush uh, field. There may be mist hanging in the air, you know, down on the ground still, but the sun is probably, the, the, the sunrise is coming up, just peeking up over the mountaintop, you know what I'm talking about? You guys seen this picture? Or maybe, maybe, you, maybe you picture the Good Shepherd and you see the, the image of Jesus holding the sheep, right? These are beautiful images, however... And we're going to talk about some of the things that we see in those images. However, when we look at John chapter 10, which by the way, that's where you should turn, John chapter 10. When we look at John chapter 10, this is not the image that Jesus is painting for us. He's not using this illustration to talk about the sheep and the shepherd. Now, he does... He does talk about the sheep and the shepherd in the process, but the purpose for what he's doing it is completely different. And I didn't ever really realize this until I started studying this time around. So we're going to go back actually to John chapter 9. And in John chapter 9, I'm just going to kind of tell you the story. If you would like to turn there, kind of follow along, you can, but I'm not, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to tell you the story. John chapter 9 is the story of Jesus healing a blind man. And when he, he uh, basically, they come upon this blind man, and the disciples ask Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? You guys remember this story? And Jesus says, neither. This is for the glory of God. Which is a little confusing to them, but that's what he says. So Jesus spits, and then um, he asks the guy to go wash himself in the pool of Siloam, and he is healed. So now the blind man can see. This is a man who people knew. He, he had been begging probably in that area, you know, years and years. They knew that he was who he was and what the deal was with him. Uh, and so he told, he came back after his healing. He's telling people, you know. And the, um, the people take him to the Pharisees. So they take him to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, uh, basically, he's telling them what's happened. And they are trying to find ways to uh, overturn this thing, to make it sound different. And so um, some of the Pharisees are saying, you know, this can't be 
from God. Jesus can't be from God because this happened on the Sabbath day. And others are saying, well, but he healed the guy. And we know he's, you know. So, so there's kind of some confusion within the Pharisee ranks, you know. And um, what happens is that the Pharisees, okay, they decide. By the way, the, the Pharisees have made a, a law that says that anybody who claims Jesus as the Christ is going to be kicked out of the synagogue. So they call this guy's parents, the, the blind man's parents, and they try to get the parents to, to say, you know, what's happened. And the parents are like, well, we know he was blind, but uh, we don't really want to say anything more than that because we don't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. And they don't say it quite like that, but that's really what's going on. So they don't say much of anything. They say, look, he's old enough to speak for himself, so talk to him. So they call him in again, and... He basically confesses Jesus as Christ. He tells him what happened. He, he says, all I know is that I was blind and now I see. And he confesses Jesus as the Christ. And so they kick him out. Jesus goes and finds him. And Jesus, he confesses uh, Jesus as the Christ again. And Jesus says to him, don't worry about these guys. And he goes on towards the end of chapter 9, and Jesus says, I came so those who can't see will see, and those who see may become blind. So he's basically calling the Pharisees blind here, right? These are the guys that everybody went to. These are the guys that are supposed to know everything. These are the guys who spoke for God, and he's calling them blind. Now, the passage that we're going to read in John chapter 10 immediately follows this. So, the story of the good shepherd is not Jesus and the sheep. Jesus is, he's, the Pharisees are here, right? The Pharisees are there. The, the blind man is probably there. And then he's got his disciples and some other people that are there as well. So when he, when he talks about this, um, just, re, just remember the audience, okay? And what has just happened. So now we're going to just read through it right now. Verses Chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Truly, truly, Jesus is speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. You hear it? He's like, don't worry about these guys. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. That's me. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd... Who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. All I have and I, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. You see it? He's talking about sheep and the shepherd. But he's also talking about thieves and robbers and hired hands and wolves, right? In each instance, talking about the Pharisees in reference to those things. 
right? So, but they don't get it. I mean, and you look back there, verse uh, 6, it says, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand it. Just like he had said, they're going to be blind, right? In chapter 8, the very end of chapter 8, he was saying that they're going to be blind. And it's very clear. He tells a story and they don't get it. So they're blind, just like he said. So, um, I, that was the part of this whole study that was like new to me. I just never saw it in the context that it, that it was in. Um, but I do want to go back and look at some of the uh, pictures that we have of shepherds. Um, some of the things that I studied, I, I, I read some things from guys who were our pastors and authors and shepherds. And one guy is a pastor and author and a shepherd. And some others that are shepherds. And then some other um, you know, famous preachers and stuff we've heard from too. So um, the first part here, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. So there are a few different kind of sheepfolds that, were going, that they had in those days. This one that they're speaking of here that Jesus is referring to is actually a community sheepfold. So early on, like in the spring, when um, you know, everything is fresh and you've got new grasses that are growing and all of that, the shepherds were able to stay pretty close to home. And so most of the time, they would stay close to home, and they would just hit the fields kind of around their own hometown, right? And that, that was where they would take care of their sheep, and the sheep would pasture. Um, so they had a community sheep pen where at night they would bring them back home so they could go sleep in their own beds, and they had a gatekeeper that was usually somebody that they hired um, to watch it at night. So they would put all of the sheep from all kinds of different um, flocks would all go into one sheep pen, right? And um, then in the morning, they would come out and they would gather their sheep and then they would go back out into uh, the pastures. Um, so the, the gatekeeper is, is something I want you to understand. Um, what would happen every once in a while when he's talking about uh, thieves and robbers, in the community... Uh, sheepfolds, thieves and robbers were more prevalent. And when they would go further out, in, out into the wilderness, it was more they were worried about predators. So in this case, uh, what the thieves would do is they would jump the fence, get into the sheep pen, cut a few throats, kill the sheep, throw them back over the fence, and then they have their buddies or they'd jump over the fence and they would, you know, they would leave. That's how, that's how it would happen. And so these guys that are in the sheepfold at that point, clearly thieves and robbers, there to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Um, so um, that's, that's what would happen. These guys are illegitimately in there. And so Jesus is referring to the Pharisees as being illegitimately in this place where, they, where they're not supposed to be. They had these positions, and they were using them for their own gain, right? Um, a guy named Philip Keller, he's the guy that I was telling you about in the book I read that that's, uh, he's, he's a shepherd or was a Middle Eastern and African shepherd. He's also uh, a pastor and an author. Uh, he writes this. In memory, I can see still one of the sheep ranchers in our district, which was operated by a tenant sheepman. He ought never to have been allowed to keep sheep. His stock were always thin, weak, and riddled with disease or parasites. Again and again, they would come and stand at the fence, staring blankly through the woven wire at the green, lush pastures which my flock enjoyed. Had they been able to speak, I'm sure they would have said, I want to be set free from this awful owner. Um, people in positions where they shouldn't be. We have that today. Lots of illegitimate shepherds in the church today, right? TV evangelists, right? Probably come to mind. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm, this may not actually be true, but I'm pretty skeptical of the, the guy that's the pastor of First Unified Gospel Faith Missionary Holiness Baptist Church. You know what I mean? Because when they got all those super long names, it seems like they may be trying to hide something, right? Um, so we've got illegitimate people um, in our sheepfold sometimes. Why? 
Why do these guys keep appearing? It seems like you know, there's a scandal of some kind and then one of them disappears, but there's like a few more that jump in his place, right? Why does this happen? Comes to the next part of the scripture. Verse three. To him the gatekeeper opens, talking about the good shepherd. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The sheep hear his voice. The sheep know his voice. The reason these, these other guys are being successful and we, they're popping up all over the place is because his sheep, us, we don't recognize his voice sometimes. We don't know the word. When we don't know the word, we don't recognize his voice. And we think it's, we hear it in other places when it's not true. These guys are illegitimate, Right? If it doesn't line up with the scripture, it's not true. We've got to know his voice. We've got to know the word. Verse 4. When he's brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow. Unfortunately, we do, right? But they will flee from him, for they do, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand. So it's well documented that sheep do know their, their shepherd's voice. Um, anybody else? There, there are several instances that I read about where you can have um, somebody else come and learn the calls of the shepherd, and they will call the sheep, and it won't work until the shepherd himself does it. They have such an intimate relationship that the sheep recognize his voice, the way his inflections are, or maybe the tone. I'm not sure exactly how it all works, but they recognize his voice, and they only respond to his voice. In the mornings, in this community sheep pen, that's exactly what would happen. The shepherd would come to the gate, the gatekeeper would open and he would call out his sheep and even though there are tons of different flocks of sheep, only his sheep would come out because they recognize his voice. The other sheep recognize somebody else's voice, right? So only his sheep would respond. Um, unfortunately, I know for me, I respond to some other voices too. Um, I could be fooled. Sometimes I ask you the question, like, what are the things that you listen to? Um, are there songs where you hear other voices that you think may be from God that are not? Are there podcasts that you listen to? Are there people that are illegitimate, that are wanting nothing but their own gain, who maybe you give a voice, you, you give an ear to them? I do. Um, when ver in verse 6 when it says the Pharisees are still clueless they don't get this figure of speech um, I want to point out another verse to you Ezekiel chapter 34 I'm going to read this one to you verses 1 through 11 the Pharisees would have totally known this passage of scripture because they were, they were experts in the law right they knew everything in the Old Testament and so Ezekiel would have been very familiar to them this is a prophetic word in Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 1 to 11 it says this the word of the Lord came to me son of man prophesy against the shepherds of Israel prophesy and say to them even to the shepherds thus says the Lord God ah shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves should not shepherds feed the sheep you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. God's speaking to the shepherds pretty harshly here. Verse 5. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. High hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth, and none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely, because my sheep have become 
a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. God said this hundreds of years before. The shepherds were only interested in what the sheep could give them. But the good shepherd, God himself, says, I will seek them out. This that we are seeing right here, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's talking to the Pharisees who are the ones that this complaint is against, right? They're only in it for themselves and what they can get out of the sheep. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. So this prophecy is being fulfilled in what we're reading today. Um, these, these Pharisees would have totally known this, this passage, right? And even then, they still don't see it. They can't see that they are the thieves and the robbers. Kind of like me. I'm a thief and a robber too. I use things for my own gain. And I like to not see it. I think the, the Pharisees, for all these years, they've been looked up to, put up on this pedestal. They're the, the ones who know the Lord and speak for the Lord. And now Jesus is coming along and saying no. And it's just going right over their heads because they're so invested in what it is for them. And they just can't see it. And it scares me to think, what are the things that I don't see? What am I blind to? Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the one we should be following. Verse 3. Um... He calls them by name. This is a well-known thing as well. Uh, shepherds come up with names for their sheep. You guys have names for yours? No? <laughs> um, they knew them intimately. They spent every waking moment with, with their sheep. And so they knew them extremely well. And they would call them, the names that they would give them usually had to do with some sort of characteristic. If it's a, a physical characteristic, they may call them like Snow White or Gray-Eared or big boy, right? Um, that's probably the way they say it to me, right? Um, sometimes it was, they would name them by the different memories that they had of them. Uh, born by the creek might be one of their names. And this is actually, this is a crazy one, but it's one that I actually read is an actual name of a sheep. The one I traded two pots of honey for. <laughs> kind of reminds me of, Friends episode, the one with, you know, whatever. You remember the Friends episode, Sally? Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> uh, sometimes they were named for behaviors. Fearful. Sweet one. Slowpoke. What about my names? What about your names? What does God call you? He knows you really well, right? Better than we even know ourselves. Does he secretly call me corndog? <laughs> Uh, no, it's probably something like stubborn, impatient, impulsive. He certainly got good reason to call me those things. But no, I mean, I, I, I don't think that he really thinks of me like that. I think he thinks of me as somebody that he loves, like a father and a son. He's the good shepherd. He loves his sheep. His names for me probably are more in line with things like 
Um, well, when I was writing the sermon, I got to this point, I knew what I wanted to say, but I sat in my quiet little closet and I couldn't think of what he would call me. I knew, but I couldn't bring myself to write it down. So what I decided is I'd go to the scriptures. Here's what he calls me, and this is what he calls you. Child, friend, heir, saint, new creature, righteous, free, chosen, holy, blameless, alive, his workmanship, complete, fulfilled. He calls us beloved, justified, citizens of heaven, and redeemed. He calls us the light of the world. He calls us branches and fruit bearers. He calls us royal priesthood. He calls us salt. He calls us more than conquerors. He calls us sheep. He calls us his sheep. He calls us his. He calls us his. By the way, this is why the shepherd's voice, why they, why they hear the shepherd's voice. Because they're his. And they know that he loves them. He, they know that he's interested in only their good. He's always checking in on them. He's watching his flock to make sure that they're all there. He's making sure that they're developing properly. I can tell you, uh, just last week, um, where's Greg? Greg and I, Greg Baker over here. Greg and I took a bunch of uh, boys to camp, and I got really, really good at counting to 11, because that's how many boys we had. Um, and then sometimes I'd get to 10 and be like, uh, where, who's missing? Which one's out, you know? I, I wasn't with them long enough to come up with names, but I could, I could probably do that if I needed to. Um, some nicknames. Uh, but it was an experience. I, I had a, a bit of a uh, shepherd kind of moment, you know, when we were doing that. One of the things I read about, it talked about how, um, I guess it was actually one of the popes who said that he, he was talking about the priests and how he wants the priests uh, that are under him, which I guess is all of them, right? I don't know. Um, he wants the priests that are under him to live with the smell of the sheep. So basically he wants his priests to have intimate relationship with the people in the congregation, right? I can tell you that that was true for us at camp. We lived with the smell of the sheep. The first day we check in and we get everything settled in our room and we sleep that night and we go to breakfast the next morning and we come back and we open up the door and I was like, whoa! <laughs> We lived with the smell of the sheep. <laughs> right, Greg? Yes. <laughs> um, isn't that interesting, though? The, uh, Jesus never lets them down. He's their provider, and he's their protector. He's a caregiver. He earned by living with their smells, right? Um, here's another quote from another modern shepherd. Shepherding also teaches you... This is actually addressing verse 4, which says he leads them. He goes before them. Shepherding also teaches you how to lead from the front rather than the back. Whenever sheep are pushed, they respond in fear or anxiety. Even when, as the shepherd, I do it, they'll respond in fear and anxiety. Pushing a sheep produce, produces agitation. But when I go ahead of the flock and call them by name, they follow me peacefully. They trust me and they want to follow. Anyone can lead by agitating but leading in such a way that those behind you want to follow is an art form. Jesus leads from the front. We don't ever experience anything that he hasn't been through before, right? He's already walked the path. Um, another thing that, that the shepherd would use is a slingshot. They would use it to protect the sheep when there was an enemy, a bear or a lion. We read about that with David, right? Um, but they would also use the slingshot, which is not one of these. It, it was, they would sling it this way, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Sling it this way and then throw it. Um, they would use it like when they're leading the sheep, they're following, but they can look back and they can see, okay, this one's getting off track, right? 
So he's going off the wrong direction. So they would throw a stone in that direction where that sheep was going, kind of out in front of them, which would be enough to scare them back to uh, the right path. This has happened in my life as well. I can tell you in high school, when I would fall in love, every girl I fell in love with, which was every girl I ever dated, uh, I thought she was the one every time, right? But every time something would go wrong and God would sling that rock out in front of me and either she'd break up with me or I'd realize it was crazy and we'd break up. He was saving me from going down the wrong path, right? Um, Football was the same way. Um, I was a little guy. I didn't grow till much later in high school. I think I was a junior or senior before I had my growth spurt. And so in freshman year of high school, I wanted to play football. And I did not make the A-team. And I was heartbroken. And I didn't know how I was going to handle it. But God had thrown that rock so that I wouldn't go down that path. Because what I know now is that the guys I would have been hanging out with were going to get into some things that I shouldn't have been involved in. And God knew that. And what happened as a result is that instead of me going down that path with those guys, um, I started getting more involved in music. And now, you know, I play guitar every once in a while. So God was blessing me all along, even though that rock was thrown out ahead of me and scared me and was painful at the time, right? God was looking out for me. Um, The Pharisees still aren't figuring it out. Verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, I, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. What are the, what are the Pharisees here and there? They're not going to be listened to? I am the door. Not these guys, not the shepherd, not the, the Pharisees, but me. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So this, this whole th- image about the door, is a different sheepfold now. So we had the community sheepfold. Now this this image is from a sheepfold that would have been further out, more in the remote areas of the country. Probably the shepherds didn't make it into these areas until later on in the year. So maybe it's fall at this point. The, the, the summer grasses have, are gone or the spring grasses are gone and then the summer has kind of burned them away a little and uh, there's not a whole lot left. So they're getting further and further away from their hometowns, right? So now they come up, they make these temporary sheep folds and they build it with rocks or sticks or something like that. It's much smaller typically because it's just for their flock and not for you know, a bunch of flocks. They don't have a paid person to be there. So what they would do is the shepherd would lay in front of the doorway themselves to keep the predators out, right? You guys, are, this is probably not new stuff. I, I've heard that, that kind of stuff before. Um, but... Verse 9, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. So this is why, this is why God has been so interested. All we've really heard about is him protecting them and putting them in the sheepfold and being the door, right? And, And making sure that the thieves aren't there. All we've heard about is them protecting him. But this is the purpose, pasture. He'll be saved if he's in there. And he'll go in and out and find pasture. This is the part that matters. What good is protection in the sheepfold if you don't ever make it out into the fields where you can eat and be nourished and grow and get more wool so that you can be sheared, right? There's no purpose in any of it without the pasture. And so this is a beautiful picture to me. God, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ himself, for us as his sheep, He protects us in the sheepfold, but he takes us into pasture. And I think too many times we have a lot of Christians that like to sit around in the sheepfold. And we don't like to get out in the pasture and learn and grow and be more remote, right? Um, A good shepherd actually comes early in the morning, by the way. Uh, to pick up his sheep to take them out into pasture. Why is that? Because the sheepfold is really not a great place to be. I mean, you think about all those sheep in there all the time, it 
didn't smell very nice. There was dung everywhere. The, the ground was trampled. They were crowded into all this space. The pasture is where it's at, right? So he, they would come early in the morning to get their sheep out of there, and they would call them, and they would listen to their voice, and they'd come out, and then they'd go to pasture. The great thing, uh, verse 10, this is, this is the famous verse, right? This is the one we always get excited about. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Christians, you know, they like to quote that verse. If I'm a Christian, if I follow Jesus, I get to have everything I want. I'm going to have it abundantly. No. What does it say? We're going to have life abundantly. We don't find life in our stuff, right? We're going to have life abundantly. That is true, but it's not going to be found in our stuff. It's found in Jesus. Life is found in grace and peace and love and forgiveness. It's found in salvation in our relationship with the shepherd himself, right? Now, the pastures. I'll show you a couple of pictures here. I think we've got those. These are some pictures that I took. I got to go to Israel almost 20 years ago, I guess it's been. That's a shepherd. I actually took that one out of the window of the bus as we were driving past. A shepherd that was in Israel. Um, and I want you to notice the fields. Lots of rocks. Not fields like most of us imagine, that most of us Texas guys imagine anyway. Um, more rocky than we imagine. These, when I was there, it was the springtime, so there's lots of grass. Um, keep going. Let's see the next, next one there. This is another shepherd's field. Uh, the the uh, tour guide actually took us here to show us what shepherd's fields are. You'll see lots of really lush grass kind of down the bottom and towards the, on the left-hand side there, that one spot. Um, that's actually a farmer's field. And so the, sh the shepherds were not allowed in the farmer's fields. Go to the next picture. You can see that a little bit better. So you can see the farmer's area there. And then you, you guys see the sheep there? They're kind of almost hidden, right? They almost look like the rocks. So again, this is the springtime, and you see the grass that's there. There's quite a bit, but you can see that it's probably not going to be there much longer if the sheep are there much longer, right? They're going to graze it all. Um, and then once summer hits and the fall, it's going to be harder to come by, right? So when we hear in Psalm 23 about the shepherd leading us to green pastures, we probably, at least for me, I think about the farmland part of that, right? That's what I imagine. Um, but in Israel, it's more like what you see the top half of that. Um, and then later on, it's even less than that. So green pasture, um, you, you can go back to something else now. Green pasture um, does not necessarily refer to the same thing that we think about. Many times later on, um, it, it gets so bad that the shepherds actually will cut limbs and things off of trees so they can feed the, the leaves to their, to their sheep. So it gets pretty desolate. But there are rocks. Many times actually uh, sheep have been called, sheep in Israel have been called rock eaters because it looks like they're just standing in a bunch of, in a, among a bunch of rocks and they're little shoots of grass that are, you know, shooting up in between the rocks. And so they go through and they'll eat those grasses in those little bitty tiny shoots, right? This reminds me of manna in the Old Testament with Moses. God sends enough manna for them to eat that day, right? Um, and if they tried to save it, it would spoil and go bad, right? Remember that? Um, the shepherd would lead his sheep to eat and they would get enough for the day. We in America, we like to overindulge and we like to save and keep, right? Um, but there's a beautiful lesson here that we receive what the shepherd brings at the pace that he gives it to us because he gives it to us as we need it. And it may not be as much as we think it should be, but he gives us what we need. And we learn in the process, we learn to trust him. If we've got a storehouse full of stuff, we don't have to trust him because we, we, we're good, right? But when he shows us, gives us a little bit at a time, we learn to trust him more. And it's about that relationship ultimately, right? And so that's, that's another picture that I love from all of this. Verse 11, 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Did you hear that? Lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. John MacArthur, in this, this part where it says, I am the good shepherd, John MacArthur says a better translation might be, I am the shepherd, the good one. And if the Pharisees that day, when, he, when Jesus is saying this, if the Pharisees heard it that way, <laughs> I just think it's kind of crazy that they're still so blind to all of this. I'm the shepherd, the good one. And they're standing there like, you know, we've been the shepherds all this time. Um, if, if you go back to John uh, chapter 5, Jesus says that he's greater than Moses. In John chapter 8, he says he's greater than Abraham. And here, he says, I'm the shepherd, the good one. It's like an assault on David, right? And David is the guy that the Jewish people, the Pharisees who are standing there, would have seen as the ultimate shepherd. And so he's saying, I'm the shepherd, the good one. And, and he's just one by one knocking off all of their heroes, right? And saying, I'm the guy. They were all pointing to me. Um, when, when it says that a good shepherd lays down his life, this is a cross, right? Taking care of sheep was serious business. David killed a lion and a bear. We know that. If you look at Isaiah 31, there's a lion attack. And the shepherds are the ones that are called to fight the lion. Because they had practice. It was serious business. In Exodus 22, verse 13, it says that if there is a sheep attack from a predator, this is talking to shepherds, if there's a sheep attack from a predator, then you better bring back an ear or a leg or something to prove that it was a sheep attack, that you didn't just lose them. This was the law. They had to bring back something because so, they were held accountable for each sheep. The good news for us is Jesus is the good shepherd. Hang on, lose us. It's not happening. Um, the Pharisees, uh, the hired hand is represented by the Pharisees here. They're only concerned about themselves. They run away. The wolf in verse 12. The wolf is our ultimate enemy. Satan, sin, death. His only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy Jesus' sheep. Fortunately, our shepherd is good, the ultimate good. There's no enemy that can threaten Jesus, right? No enemy that can threaten Jesus. A.W. Tozer says the only safe place for a sheep is by the side of a shepherd because the devil does not fear sheep. He just fears the shepherd. As long as we remain close to Jesus, we've got nothing to fear. Death, sin won't come near us. They'll threaten and taunt us and try to scare us, but they don't have any authority if we're next to Jesus. Matt Chandler, some of you listen to him. Uh, he tells a story about a mission trip. He went to India on a mission trip, and when he got there, he, one of the things that he saw was these snake charmers, and they had cobras that were, you know, they're blowing their little horns and the cobras are doing their little dance and, and they're, you know, snagging the, the and grabbing the, the cobras and stuff. And everybody's completely impressed. But he says he found out later on that all of those cobras had their mouths super glued shut. This is a beautiful picture of the wolf coming after us. You see what I'm saying? They can't do anything. They can dance around and taunt and scare. But the enemy, sin and death, has nothing on Jesus. Sin and death, his mouth is super glued shut, right? He can't do it. We're good. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Right? When Jesus was resurrected, death lost its power, right? That's something worth rejoicing. 
Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. There's the cross again. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. By the way, that's us. We're the Gentiles. We were not in the original fold of the Jewish um, faith. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. But Jesus is proclaiming what we're going to do there. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay, down my, I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Guys, verse 17. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again take it up again. You hearing that? He could take it up again. No other shepherd could say that. Shepherds laid down their lives all the time. That was normal. But Jesus is the only one who can say, I have the authority to take my life up again. We serve a good shepherd. The good shepherd. Not only will he take his life up again, but he offers that to us as well. Good news, great news. That's what sets him apart. That one statement, I may take it up again, sets him apart from all the other shepherds. Um, so I'm going to end with a, a, a little uh, passage that I'm going to read to you from Philip Keller, the guy that I told you was the shepherd. Um, he bought his first flock of sheep. The man who sold, it, sold them to him, this is what he says. Well, Philip, they're yours. Now you'll have to put your mark on them. I knew exactly what he meant. Each shepherd has his own distinctive earmark, which he cuts into one of the ears of his sheep. In this way, even at a distance, it's easy to determine to whom the sheep belongs. It was not the most pleasant procedure to catch each ewe in turn and lay his ear on a wooden block and then notch it deeply with the razor-sharp edge of the knife. There was pain for both of us. But from our mutual suffering, an indelible lifelong mark of ownership was made that could never be erased. And from then on, every sheep that came into my possession would bear my mark. In the Old Testament in Exodus, when a servant loved his master and chose to be his servant, they would pierce him and they would put a an all through his ear. And anytime you saw that bond servant, you knew when you saw his ear, his ear, that he had chosen his master. You knew that the master was good because he was chosen by the servant. Philip Keller continues, for the man or woman who recognizes the claim of Christ and gives allegiance to his absolute ownership. There comes the question of bearing his mark. The mark of the cross is that which should identify us with him for all time. The question is, does it? Jesus made it clear when he stated emphatically, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me. This is the mark. Deny himself, take up his cross daily, follow me. He will lead you to green pastures. He will protect you in the sheepfold. Our lives should be marked with self-denial with carrying our cross, following Jesus. If you follow Jesus, your life will be different. Your life will actually become his life. And it'll be marked by sacrifice and efforts to serve him in spite of your own preferences. If your life isn't marked, or you're not sure about it, 
then I'd encourage you to speak to somebody. We've got elders and deacons. You may even have friends in this room that you could talk to about it. We'd love to have those conversations. The good shepherd is leading and he's calling your name. Other passages talk about and when he's got 99 sheep, he'll leave all 99 of them to come after the one. You might be the one today. He might be coming after you. I can tell you that it's a beautiful thing to be a part of his flock to be one of his sheep. He is the good shepherd. Loves us intimately. Knows us better than we could know ourselves. And still loves us. Wants to take us into pasture so we can be fed and nourished and grow. Become all that he wants us to be. Let's pray. God, you really are the good shepherd. And we thank you for sending Jesus to shepherd our lives. We thank you for those moments. Um, as I recall many years ago when you first called me out, and called me by name and began to change my life, take me into new pastures and new places, lead me beside still waters. Even in the shadow of death, God, you were there. You've comforted me. Let me remain close to you Thank you. Thank you for being the one who's lay, willing to lay down his life for me, but has the authority to take it up again. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.